Hi, this is Jeremy Raddick. I was Gareth in the Doctor TV movie, and you're listening to Gallifrey Public Radio. Gallifrey Public Radio, a weekly podcast dedicated to positive enjoyment of Doctor Who. We travel through classic and new episodes, explore the extended universe, and play a few games from time to time. We do discuss news, content that has been officially released, and the occasional interesting rumor, but we'll warn you before anything considered spoilers comes up. Welcome to episode 485 of Gallifrey Public Radio, where we plan to encapsulate 365 days of anticipation and phantom joy into what will be less than four hours of viewing time. I'm Kier. I'm Haley. I'm Jay. And I'm Julie. This week, the rolling boulder that is the Russell T. Davies marketing method begins to bound down the hillside with the Christmas 2022 release of the first 2023 teaser, roughly a minute of smash cuts that have left the fan base freeze-framing for weeks already. So our Yuletide Prezi from RTD gave us glimpses of what we believe to be the first of the three 14th Doctor specials, uh, dealing directly with the anomaly of Donna Noble and her wiped memory. There are cameos, guest stars, unexpected adversaries, and near to my heart, lots of explosions. Just the premise of what we know will be in this makes very little sense. And to be honest, that's a really refreshing way to head into a show about solving mysteries and thwarting dangers. Thankfully, very little is said explicitly in this teaser edit, but that's not going to stop us from savoring every second of what we're given and try to make sense of it. I am right off the top going to defer to my colleagues here so that they can share the aspects of the teaser that they feel are most important or impressive, because what I want to flail about is probably pretty tangential in the grand scheme, so it can absolutely wait. Uh, so I will defer to Haley right off the top. I I mean, the most favorite thing that I saw in this trailer was David Tennant hiding behind Donna Noble's mother as she tries to pretend like he's not in the room. Like, that's a thing that's going to work. <laughs> He is skinny man. <laughs> he is. I I think that was the most exciting part for me too. Just seeing her shrieking and pointing and the interaction between them all. Looking forward to getting back to a little bit more of the physicality of those movements that we get from Tenant that I love so much. Right. The nature of the edit grabs what we all want to know right up front. Uh, you know, in, in how do we handle the repercussions of what we were told would happen to Donna if she ever remembered what actually took place. And, you know, getting the view of her with her uh, originating husband from The Runaway Bride and that actually resolving itself. Um, You've got uh, Yasmin Finney in there as their daughter, uh, Rose Tyler. (laughs) Go figure. Um, and, and, And so it's... You combine that with the why is 14 who 14 is, and I would easily see 75% of this thing being just trying to tackle that question without 
any other plot elements whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, I I love the fact that they didn't retcon Donna's memory loss, you know, and it's I'm I'm worried about the possibility of undoing her uh, her ending because like that's we saw that before with you know Rose Tyler had a, a heartbreaking exit and then they brought her back and you know things kind of went you know okay for her and then so now we have Donna who had the absolutely heartbreaking exit and now it seems like it might be that things are going to be okay for her and so I'm I'm glad that they're not sweeping it under the rug but I'm curious how it's going to play out I I agree you want to be pleased that it's something it is a it is a sticking point with with fans casual and dedicated because it was such a tumultuous thing to occur to a beloved character and yet it's there there's almost something to uh, to revel in the in the unfinished symphony of it all and you almost want that to persist as much as you're angered by the fact that it was the way it was it it has a sort of a beauty in its tragedy so we do get some snippets of them running across a street. So they are clearly going, to, and obviously it's a TV show and they have to do this, but they will clearly interact more than just skinny man over there behind my mother. So yeah. it, something that I kind of hope we see after the devastation that was losing Donna Noble as a character and knowing that we she lost everything she had gained over the, that year with the doctor is maybe we get to see like some subtle depth of character changes that she had. So even though she doesn't have the memories, she still has the effect of that time and that growth. Well, we know that something at a subconscious level still persists with her, not only in just her dialogue and saying, you know, oh, I always feel like I've had, you know, something something else just under the surface, but the the subconscious aspects of naming her daughter after this individual that that she met once and doesn't remember at all. Yeah. Presumably. Right. Uh, had probably heard uh, referenced uh, a number of times and then actually got to meet in uh, Stolen Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, um, I don't know. Uh, Julie, for you, what was the what was like the biggest pull from the trailer and everything getting thrown at you at such speed? So other than that, I would have to say I'm really excited to see the two new aliens. And I think having them interact with each other as well as some of our the either the companion or the daughter or however that's going to play into it all but having them with their own story that we're stepping into is what i like about storytelling and i'm really interested to see how those how their relationship obviously is some kind of battle turns into something for the doctor and the streets of wherever they're going to be wherever i forget where donna's from but that place this this is what I wanted to back off on because I was I was just going to gush about it off the top. But <gasps> I, I took your thing. No, no. But you, <gasps> you kind of teed it up. So the the odd, the odd thing about the aliens that they that they had rumored about before that somebody had sort of seen like a, a, a set a set photo or you know snapshot from the bushes and said that looks like beep the meep and ninety two percent of the followers on most social media channels says what the hell is a meep who is beep and so on. And you had a handful of people that had read some of the comics back in the eighties and uh, it had been actually sort of reprised in a few of the, the Titan comics in the nineties and aughts, just as a sort of a one-off just for fun to say, Hey, we still love this character. Kind of like a Frobisher, you know, it's a giant talking penguin. We love it. 
we're just going to reference it every every once in a while because it's a nice little finger to the nose. Frobisher means something totally different to me. Just want to say that. I understand. <laughs> I understand. But it's the sort of the circle of everything coming around again. But the, the thing about the Meeps are that they were a very peaceful species. And their proximity to, I think it was like a dying sun or a pulsar or something like that, uh, turned them. And they became these power-hungry little rodent freaks led by Beep, who was like the craziest of them all. And he was constantly coming up with these ways to be able to conquer planets and things using all of these these weird tactics. These insect creatures that you had seen gunning it out with unit in the streets were the Rarth warriors. And they were actually just a police force. They were just enforcement. They were they were there to capture Beep. Time after time after time. Somewhat like the Jadoon. Kind of like the Jadoon, but they, yeah, but uh, uh, maybe... Inter- intergalactic. Planetary, yeah. Well, no, I was going to say just police, but then... <laughs> but but the, the role reversal, the fact that we're seeing them sort of like, they're they're playing, you know, they put Meep with the giant puss in boots eyes. Oh, you just want to cuddle this thing, where in the comics it would rip your face off and wear like a mask. And the Rarth Warriors were actually there to do the, the enforcement that the that the universe needed. Mm. So, so I don't. So are these for sure those comic book characters? It is based on when you get a shot of the uh, the Rarths, the with the glowing red eyes, with the the pincer hands. I mean, those were all unmistakable views. They looked like locusts. They looked like uh, sort of bipedal humanoid locusts. It was going to take a monch out of you with a hand. Yeah. So I'm wondering if it was just a matter of, you know, they're going to play this like they did in the comics and where, you know, the appearance, don't be fooled by appearances because the cute little white fuzzy thing is actually there to to try and take over. Whereas these horrible things that would give your children nightmares are actually there to save you um, would play well um, and would be a nice tip of the hat to the, the, the origin points. But I don't know. You're still fitting that whole thing in because you see Rose walking through the parking coming up against this pod, you know, this, this landed little ship. And it's a little ship. Um, that's the kind of thing that you would see one of the meeps emerge from. So this is all happening in one special. I got to hope the runtime for this thing is at least 85. I know it's not going to be. Do we, do we know if it's all in one special or could this be, could we have gotten scenes from multiple specials? Yeah, they could just do this as a, as like a three special arc mm-hmm. and have it all, Interrelated, which I think would be great to give it breathing room. That would mean you'd have you'd have your Empire Strikes Back middle episode, though. That'd be kind of weird. Those tend to be the ones where you don't get any resolution, and it's just an hour plus of gut punches and character yeah. development. Well, if they're if they're released fairly close together, that might be okay. And we kind of think that's the thought, right? They're yeah. fitting it all in within November into the holiday season at the tail end yeah. of this year, so that's totally feasible. And then something else to get the 14th Doctor, or I'm sorry, 15th Doctor into his first full uh, uh, sort of premiere special episode, um, as they're calling it, within the festive season, for whatever that means. But uh, Jay, what was your, what was the thing that, that had you had you going back and, and you know, skipping back 15 seconds over and over again? Honestly, I can't think of a single thing that gave me that feeling, but just the the feel of the trailer just that feeling of like okay we are back to prime doctor who not that there's been like you know i, I don't want to 
disparage anything that's come since, but it's just that familiarity, that feeling of uh, of the thing that we all fell in love with so long ago. You know, just it feels like Doctor Who when it was a household name, when it was everyone was watching it, you know, that kind of thing. So I'm that was the main takeaway I got from this trailer was just like we're 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 back to to what people think of when they hear Doctor Who. Getting a trailer a year before the episode comes out. <laughs> so we actually have time to like get excited about it and talk about it. What yeah. is that? Yeah. I think uh, honorable mention the toy maker. I know he had already showed up before, but seeing him and him giving his grand line was pretty neat. Yeah. That's 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 what gave me the the sort of the reassurance that we're going to be we were seeing something from more than just the uh, just the first special because there's no way you could address everything you need to with the 14 and Donna mysteries and the uh Meeps and the Rarths and the, toy the celestial toy maker. I feel like you might get all of these things scattered throughout so that it buttons up so maybe the middle episode would be one of these two other baddies and then all of them come together at the end. Mm -hmm. And that's how you don't have that middle episode lull because you're introducing something new that everyone has seen a bit of and they're waiting for it. Hmm. Well, then if that's going to be the case, um, I guess it's a matter of uh, Doctor Who has a a, a pattern, right? They have a, a, a process of sticking you, whether it's a cold open or whether it's a sort of a false start and they begin things in a scene that you would feel is totally unrelated to what you're expecting the story to be about heading into it. Um, and, and and this is far more so the, the case in the classics. You sort of back into where the real problems are, um, whether it's a matter of, you know, you meet this, you're dropped in the middle of a conversation between two you know, satellite system workers on a break, um, you know, and they're chatting it up in the in the commissary, and and the the camera pulls away from them to someone else, follows them down a corridor, the, follows that individual for the, the they pass a doorway in the corridor, and it just becomes, and then all of a sudden you see something fizzing on a console somewhere, and that's where the story proper begins. I'm wondering if this is going to be one of those cases where we spend the better part of the entire first special getting problem after problem after problem after problem. And they don't even try to offer resolutions because they know that we're going to revel in the the chaos of it all for a while mm-hmm. because that's what we want. Whereas Flux gave us that but didn't give us any answers. Into We didn't start to get see things stitched together for about three installments before some of these disjointed aspects were starting to stitch together. Yeah, we felt we, we we were lost for a while. But that was more just like general confusion and no good through lines at all. And I right. I feel like the trailer already had more through lines that you can see. Yeah. Hopefully they follow through with that. But <laughs> you, even pulling strings again, starting a story where you you already know that there's some some history to it. Mm-hmm. We know that because we're jumping in at the end of Donna's story. Yeah. Or what was supposed to be the end. And now it's a midpoint and she's got new hair and a kid. <laughs> I mean, the the question is like, we are, we're talking about a trailer 
you know, nearly a year in advance. What more information are we going to get over the next, you know, uh, what, 10 months before this actually happens? Mm-hmm. Without too much spoilery, yeah. tell us exactly what we're going to get. I would that's that, the dance. Yeah, I would think we would get like a 3 or 4 minute trailer maybe a month before it comes out. Maybe some behind the scenes stuff here and there along the way. I wonder this is something Doctor Who's always been very very good at and that's just because of the nature of the way that people write is they offer these monologues from time to time that you can just take um uh, take the ADR and put it over footage flying over Cardiff or something. And it means so much more when you just hear Tennant's voice or Catherine Tate's voice or some recognizable, you know, uh, voice just talking about the fact that, you know, years have gone by and things have been quiet. And then you hear the piano, boom. <laughs> they say, say another line. And, and we thought everybody was going to be uh, uh, peaceful and get along for once in our lives. Boom. And then foom, 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 all the all the trailer stuff starts. I think that's that'll be the next one is the 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 mystery trailer rather the than the high hit. impact explosion. Yeah. The one that starts giving us a little more of the story that we're gonna see. Maybe it's like thirty five seconds in the life of of Rose. Mm. You know, get to know her. I wonder if uh, I will put a quarter down yeah. for. I think this trailer is going to follow the beats. In the order, we'll see them explored in the show. It starts with Tenant. You get Donna and her family. You get the monsters incoming. Then the toy makers introduced. Wrap up some stuff with some battles, etc. All the denouement. And Shudi appears at the end. I think it's very linear. Okay. I, I Could be I, totally I, wrong. They could do it all backwards from that. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my, my bet on that. All right. Coins down. Acknowledged. <laughs> Which part of the series of specials do you think Shooty is in? Do you think he's in part one or just you don't see him till part three? I think he comes in at the very end. Of part yeah. three. Yeah. Which which means this it's is a, a trailer for the specials and not just the first special. Correct. Sure. Yeah. yeah. It, it, you felt like the way that they had handed this to you, that it was going to be just the first special. And this is almost like a, here's what to see next season. Yeah. Um, it's all in the can. Why not? Right. Hmm. I don't think I would take that bet. Just for, I mean, I, I give all the credit in the world to the, the, the editing team to be able to put together something like this that is, uh, that is that compelling. The only thing I would probably say is there's probably, uh, maybe the Toymaker stuff is a little, little more interspersed because knowing Neil Patrick Harris, every time he would show up in another outfit, he would have to have some sort of grandiose scene behind it. Mm. And they had him shown like in three different outfits in three smash cuts. That could just be promo material. Yeah. I'm not going to put it against that either. Like <laughs> this is the character. And now here he is when he's actually in the show. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Granted, I hope he's in it a lot. Yeah. Just because I love him. to figure him. out his accent though. <laughs> Worldwide premiere. I mean, we're, like I said, we're 10 months out. So I'm, it, it's... The, the rate at which we are getting new information is exciting, so I'm looking forward to to what comes down next because at this point, like I'd, I'm not sure how much more we could get without it being spoilery. I've accepted my fate. (laughs) (laughs) 
we're recording this, we are about a month away from the next Gallifrey One convention. And uh, this is shaping up to be a pretty epic uh, lineup of guests that they've got here. A lot of great returning faces, uh, some some newbies, large and small. Yes, that indeed. I'm happy to do. Well, I mean, uh, obviously, the, the headliner being Jody Whitaker, uh, uh, Colin Baker coming back again, uh, Bonnie Langford, uh, Jeanette Fielding, Sophie Aldred, Katie Manning. So, I mean, just a, a whole list of people that are just going to be I'm so excited to meet some of these people and see some of them again. And Daniel Anthony Clyde, who we've been journeying with on the show here. So yeah. that'll be really exciting. I'd love to be able to talk to him. Uh, Jamie Magna Stone, um, who uh, has directed some great episodes uh, previously uh, and um, has won uh, up, uh, has been more and more uh, uh, deeply linked uh, with Hoovy and Lore uh, to date, to hear some of his, if he might be doing one of the commentary uh, uh, panels where he actually gets to to talk through the process mm. as uh, as Rachel had done for us in, in years past. That'd be great. I love those panels. They are so interesting to hear the behind the scenes in real life as you're watching through. It feels like you're just having popcorn with your best friend sitting mm. on their couch <laughs> watching their episodes that they made happen. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of directors, Matthew Jacobs will be there, who had just uh, uh, recently uh, been able to release the Doctor Who Am I uh, sort of documentary project. Uh, and we had spoken to back when it was getting funded uh, and getting off the ground. So we'd love to be able to sort of close the close the loop with him and, and talk with him about the release uh, and his uh, all the, the great responses he's gotten to, to screenings of it so far. So, yeah, really, really eager to... to to see it all and to see all of you. I'm, I'm yeah. speaking to my co-host, but I'm also speaking to you <laughs> listeners. So, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, it, that's one of the, the great things about, uh, about these conventions is always just being able to, to see all the people that you haven't seen since the last one. So, yeah. And you've all met her, but Jody Hauser yes. has done quite a lot of good writing. Yes. Both for this and yeah. some other fan some other properties Some that other we happen to be quite fond of. That'll be really exciting. So we'll start to get uh, even more and more of her materials uh, signed so that we can gush about them and find out what she's been doing lately because she continues to write for those properties and we will continue to read. And this one. <laughs> uh, the... <laughs> We, we we talk about Russell because Russell says a lot of things and, uh, and when he speaks, we listen. We didn't... We, we sort of, uh, we, the collective, we, the, the fan base, had put words into his mouth <laughs> over the course of the last month or so uh, in the assumption uh, that the mouse was giving him millions to make his episodes. And it had gotten so exponentially blown out of proportion that the first the initial number got whacked out and then it became that whacked out number per episode, which is insane. Uh, because yeah. not even Game of Thrones or Rings of Power uh, pull those kind of budgets. But he's set the record straight. Look, so some people's episodes went differently than ours did when we said what we'd like to see happen. And that's <laughs> what you get. Yeah. yeah. I'm just saying our spinoffs would work cheap. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. They're real webisodes. You could do anything you want with a webisode. You really can. Just a green screen and a dream. But yes, uh, 10 million pounds per episode. Nope. Right. Yeah. For some reason, they just, they, they don't do that. I don't know. But, <laughs> uh, but one, 
one other thing that Russell had some uh, some things to to say. Uh, I, I love when I love when Russell T Davies gets like into slightly troll mode because he always does it in the best way possible. Uh, and anyone that follows the uh, Doctor Who social media channels, either Instagram or Twitter or whatever, uh, there was an anniversary that passed about the uh, Susan's exit from the the show. I can't remember which which story it was now, but um, that anniversary has just come recently. And Russell left a comment on those videos mm-hmm. hinting at uh, possible – well, uh, to be clear, all he said was whatever happened to her. But knowing RTD as we do, it we can probably surmise some things from that. Mm-hmm. He doesn't leave anything to chance. No. I, I don't think he has ever – that I recall – um, a, a public comment like that, that, that is that enigmatic, that didn't have some sort of agenda attached to it. Right. It also had the thinking emoji. So it wasn't <laughs> even just like, a, oh, whatever happened to her? It's like a, whatever hmm. happened to her? If only. <laughs> there, there's also kind of been some fan stirrings to see Susan again since An Adventure in Space and Time came out. Yeah, yeah. The because that led people to ask people that weren't familiar with the classic stories to say, well, why why does this name keep coming up? Why why do all of these long-standing fans have like these hashtag inside jokes about it's always Susan or could have been Susan or is this finally Susan's moment or what have you? Who the hell is Susan? <laughs> and when they get the explanation and somebody just breaks it down in like a couple of simple sentences, you know she. Claimed to be the doctor's granddaughter, she left the TARDIS because she she was pursuing you know her 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 own life, uh, her own adventure, and we never heard from her again until Big Finish. Yeah, and even if you even leave that out of it, it's just a matter of well, what how how can you leave something that big alone for sixty years? Well, She's been mentioned. Yes, yeah, her face shows up on a pin board. Yeah. Or her photo is on a frame somewhere, and he mentions having a granddaughter. But yeah. to oh. that to that end, whatever happened to her? Uh, Did she go? Maybe I, I don't see Julie reaching for any more quarters right now. So we'll <laughs> leave that to a mystery for a little while. Maybe that's the next teaser trailer. I my back channel with Russell just kind of <laughs> went quiet. So mm, All I'm gonna my little birds <laughs> no longer sing. Oh, well. But if uh, if it happens. Amazing. If it doesn't, the fact that he continues to sort of toy with us that way and knows how to push our buttons, it, fine. Push the buttons. It's fine. I, hey, we got a showrunner who likes to interact with the fan base. How cool is that? Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> Someone who we do know will be back is Gemma Redgrave. Who's along... amazing. Yes. So definitely have some unit representation. Um, we didn't see her in this teaser, though we did see unit soldiers gunning it out in the streets. So yeah. I don't, has she ever been credited to be involved with? Doesn't necessarily mean that she is in the, what's coming up, but next season. Yeah. But she was kind of holding the scraps of unit together towards yeah. the end of Flux. I would think that they may want to allow her a little bit more breathing room in her story and have that be part of the next series, not just the specials. Hmm. I wouldn't be mad if they do that. Give everything their own place within the specials and then allow her story to 
become part of the next doctor who is there for a longer duration than just, hey, Gemma's going to be in these specials with Tennant, and then that's the end of her story somehow. Right. Well, she'll be returning in Series 14, filming presently, uh, along with a uh, a talent you've probably recognized from Peaky Blinders, uh, Adrian Barnard who's going to be playing the mysterious Roderick Gwilym. So the, a very, very Welsh name when you see the character name. Like, wow. Okay. Um, people are going to be working on that pronunciation for a little while and do a better job of it than I just did because that was complete crap, and I apologize. There's a reason we like here do it because he did it better than we would. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, but there's uh, apparently everything that they've been showing from like set photos. They're they're doing this this whole thing. It's this is going to be releasing during uh, uh, a major election cycle, and apparently these episodes are going to be very politically charged as far as what's happening within the plots. There's it's all going to be happening up around the time that elections are happening. Like it's actually worked into the script that elections are happening while the viewing audience is dealing with elections. <laughs> Doesn't she look tired? Yeah, <laughs> right? It's vote Saxon, y'all. So I don't know. <clears throat> this is going to be fascinating. Good old political powder keg. I, I can't wait but, for the audience to be shocked that Doctor Who discusses politics for the first time ever in its entirety. Ruining our show. A rumph, a rumph. Fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, with with all the news that we've gotten in the trailers and things like that, it's it's exciting to it's an exciting time to be a Whovian again. It really is. Yeah. Not having to explain to as many people uh, that you're just you're making small talk with in passing when you mention the show that oh I've been hearing a lot about that lately. Have you ever watched? No, but I've been hearing about it. You know what? That's close <laughs> enough. That's close <laughs> enough. I'll take fair. it. It's fair. It's fair. <laughs> Uh, next time when we come back, we will be going back to our, our classic rewatch with Planet of Fire. So, Tegan out. Turlo still there. Sorry. And fire. <laughs> uh, and bonus. You'll have bonus. No spoilers. Uh, no, no spoiler at all. You'll have bonus. There's extra. This story has extra. <laughs> fire? Well, uh, yes, and. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been episode 485 of Gallifrey Public Radio. Until next time, this is Jay saying, is it November yet? <laughs> and this is Kier saying, I don't really have a lot of expectations for what we'll be getting over the next couple of months. Um, I have enough on my plate right now that the leftovers alone should keep me sated for quite some time. This is Julie saying, can somebody tell me what the hell my closing line here is? <laughs> And this is Haley saying, Oi, watch it, spaceman. We'll see you next time. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Gallifrey Public Radio. Want to keep the conversation going? You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Or just send us a good old-fashioned email to feedback at gallifreypublicradio.com. You can also give us a phone call at 754-225-5477. That's 754-CALL-GPR, and you may hear your voice on a future episode of the show. Everything's got to end sometime, otherwise nothing would ever get started. Join us next week for a brand new episode.
Jacob Hansen. Gallifrey Public Radio is copyright 2023. We'll see you next time.